Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Air Magique. Yes, today, Neil's from Capturing Disney Parks, who you know from his amazing Instagram, Twitter, and website, and I will be chatting all about the best, most secret Disneyland Paris secrets. Niels, it's so great to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Happy to be here. Before Niels and I spill the beans, some park news. Le Carousel de Lancelot is a gorgeous carousel attraction in Disneyland Park that serves up some of your favorite classic Disney soundtracks in like an organ style, which is super neat. Now, after several weeks of R&R, the carousel is looking fresher than ever, even more so in the dark with its 2,200 LED bulbs illuminating this gorgeous attraction. <laughs> <laughs> so Disneyland Paris's Magical Pride, which is Disneyland Paris' official Pride event, and as far as I know, the only official Disneyland, Disney World type Pride event worldwide, will take place on June 6, 2020 next year at Disneyland Park instead of Walt Disney Studios this year. And um, it's going to be a special event from 8 p.m. till 2 a.m. So we don't know that much about it yet, but it's safe to say there's going to be some cool music and a rocking party and we'll keep you guys posted on that one. Yeah, and a lot of colors. Just all the colors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This year's attendees to the New Year's Eve party at Disneyland Paris will get to enjoy two fabulous parades. First, the dancing a catchy rhythm at Disney's New Year's Eve parade, and then celebrate with Mickey, Minnie, and friends at the brand new Countdown to Fun Parade. Dance a catchy rhythm sure does bring back some nostalgic memories for me. I still have that old uh, Disneyland Paris soundtrack CD in my shelf somewhere that features that parade <laughs> song. Do you remember this, deal? Yeah, I have it too. I love it. It was one of the better parade songs indeed. Definitely, definitely. And it's such an earworm-inducing. So I wonder if they're going to bring back that song or like an updated version of it. That would be really fun. Yeah, would be really cool. Yeah, my two highlights of the New Year's Eve party besides the parade is definitely Afrojack performing as the DJ in the DJ Hub area. Area after midnight and the new fireworks show that celebrates Disney films that were released in 2019. So in fact, if you look closely at the press photo that Disney released, you can spot the artwork for Beyonce's latest album, The Gift, which is really no surprise since she sang the new flagship song Spirit for the new Lion King remake that came out this past year. So we'll see. I'm uh, looking forward to it. I will be there uh, uh, New Year's Eve, so um, ah, cool. we can... Uh, <laughs> Expect a review uh, next year. Yes, is this your first time celebrating the New Year's at Disneyland Paris? Yes. Ooh. What hotel are you guys staying at? Uh, we're staying at the Sequoia Lodge, so um, mm -hmm. yeah. nice. we're able to just uh, walk from the <laughs> from the park uh, back to our bed. That's really cool. Are you planning on staying like all the way to the end, 2 a.m.? Like, if my uh, little uh, daughter uh, <laughs> 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 makes it uh, till the end, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. The weather will also. Uh, play a role in that you never know definitely if you're like staying there for new year's do they have some special restaurant things like is waltz gonna be open for that special event yeah, do you know i'm not sure if waltz will be open but uh, there are a lot of uh, special new year's eve uh, menus indeed but uh, nice expensive <laughs> like hundreds of euros oh. uh, uh, each <laughs> so oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to think about it but there are also regular options uh, that evening so uh, yeah well uh, we'll see uh, how it goes yeah well i'm looking forward to hearing about it next year then i can't wait to see how your experience was yeah i'll let you know so over in frontierland after doubling the price of a game at rustler roundup shooting gallery to four euro and August, they brought it back down to three euros. So by the way, you guys, my husband tried this for the first time on our last trip. And let me just say that it was super confusing because 
they don't tell you how many shots you have, or if it's not limited by shots, they also don't let you know how much time you have to mm -hmm. play the game. So the design of the shooting range itself is drop dead gorgeous. I mean, they have all these really fun elements that light up and blow up and you have fog effects and lighting and sound. It's really, really nice. Yeah. And the guns themselves don't shoot any sort of pebbles, but they're um, light emitting. Mm -hmm. So when you hit that target, it's really satisfying. But just a little bit more info would be nice, you know, like at least a little kind of like LCD counter or something would be really appreciated <laughs> to let you know how many shots or how much yeah, time exactly. you have. Yeah, I, I also found it confusing. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't counting either. All of a sudden it just didn't work anymore and we were like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But indeed it looks brilliant. It's really the small Thunder Mesa town and uh, yes. uh, with a lot of interactive elements. Yeah. It's really gorgeous. You yeah. feel like a yeah. cowboy. <laughs> I think I took more pictures of it than uh, I uh, played the game. But, uh, <laughs> but it looks good. It's yeah. really cool. It's a nice add-on. I wonder if they made it paid to kind of do crowd control so the lines don't get crazy on it. But I'm also glad they brought it back down to three euro instead of four euro because... Yeah, it's well, yeah. it's crazy to pay four euros. Well, even three euros is quite a lot, I think. Uh, yeah. It used to be two euros and that was, uh, well... That was already... Just okay. Yeah, two euros <laughs> sounds like a good price point. So <laughs> let's keep it there. <laughs> Maybe in the future it'll yeah. drop back down another euro. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. So on Main Street USA, Gibson Girl is currently undergoing a refurbishment and has received frosted windows, which is a really, really great idea because it seals the space off in a really aesthetic and non-intrusive way. So kudos to whoever thought of that. And also, can we get it back as soon as possible? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the restaurants at Disneyland Paris are currently closed or are undergoing some kind of refurbishment so i yeah hopefully we'll we'll get more back soon yeah i hope so over in adventureland indiana jones and the temple of peril has reopened after a lengthy refurbishment nothing groundbreaking to note apart from the new smoother ride likely due to some fancy new wheel systems that have been installed on the carts and a thorough cleaning of the attraction as well as just some touch-ups here and there at just getting a gorgeous refreshed exterior so it's looking its brilliant self again. <laughs> the Lucky Nugget is an interesting fusion of a counter service and table service restaurant located in Frontierland at Disneyland Paris. So before you're seated at your table you have to order food and beverages at the cashiers and then you're seated wherever they have room for you and they bring the food or which is mostly like burger kind of stuff to your table. For the first time in a really 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 long time is that the balcony seating was open to the public so oh, because wow. it's like a two-story type gorgeous space like a western style theater yeah. this happens rarely enough that it's worth reporting on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah i can remember from many many years ago that i was sitting uh, there but well recently uh, i haven't seen it uh, open so. Was there anything special that you could see from up there that you couldn't see from the bottom or well I cannot really remember any specialties, but well, it was just cool to be up there. Definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm wondering why they don't open it all the time, because it's, well, just additional capacity, uh, I guess. Yeah, totally. At least on the weekends. I'm sure during the week it's enough to just have the lower level open. There were empty tables there. We went there twice on our last trip, and during the mm, week there, okay. it was fine. But on the weekends, there was quite a long line outside as well, so I could imagine there would be enough people to fill that entire space. Yeah. It just features some cute puppet shows and music, right? And a little bit of very light 
live entertainment. We found it kind of difficult because the actress who did a fantastic job, by the way, would come around and she'd be like, clap your hands. And we're like, have our burgers in our hands. And we're like, we can't. Yeah, that's not working. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, they're pretty good. Those actors. Uh, Definitely. Really looking for some interaction. And uh, yeah, well, actually, it's like a fast food menu at a premium price yeah. uh, but you get the entertainment and they bring the food to your table so yeah, uh, yeah it's a it's a pretty unique concept for the park yeah i haven't experienced anything similar in other parks around the globe so this definitely feels very unique to me yeah i really enjoy it because it's nice to have a little bit of music if the pianist is playing or just some distractions here and there and the kids really enjoyed it around us as well they were all about that fun entertainment so yeah yeah it's, it's worth checking out Bring your cash money, honey, because the credit card network was experiencing issues once again last week, which translates to super long lines at all the ATMs located in the parks. So you guys, again, I will recommend this to you one more time. Better safe than sorry. Bring some backup cash in case the ATM systems are down. So yep. yeah, it's sad. Moolah, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you don't want to, uh, well, carry a lot of uh, cash, then you can also buy gift cards yourself <laughs> and, and then use that to uh, well pay for your meals and your uh, souvenirs. That's very true. Yeah. Do the gift cards work if the ATM network is down? Do you happen to know? Oh, I've been wondering uh, that. Yeah. I think so, but uh, mm-hmm. not completely sure. Uh, if it's a, well, let's say uh, <laughs> a Disneyland Paris problem from a telecom uh, perspective, right. then uh, it, well, it might not work. But if it's more in the connection with the banks, then uh, yeah. yeah, the gift card might be a uh, backup option. But uh, <laughs> still, the gift card is a nice souvenir as well. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. If any of our listeners want to test this out for us, if you're there and you happen to yes, have please. a gift card and the network is down, <laughs> please, please let us know. We'd love to know if those work. <laughs> yeah and otherwise let us know if the people at city hall gave back your money uh, <laughs> from the gift card well you could not spend it <laughs> so over at fuente del oro in frontierland the terrace area has been partially covered with a material to maximize the use of the space during inclement or hot weather and it's looking really good so it does block out the sun but light still comes through Mm. in a diffuse way it looks really nice it fits into theming of it all yeah sounds good yeah and if it's a warm but rainy summer day which happens every once in a while in paris it's also nice to have a way to sit outside and enjoy the fresh air but still stay dry so (laughs) it's always good So the Disneyland Paris Railroad might finally reopen in April of 2020. This could, of course, change at any time, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it will really reopen in that month. Yeah, I'm going to be there with my husband's parents next April and they don't really do thrill rides and they've never been to the park. So this will be a great way for them to, to experience yeah. or get an overview of Disneyland Park for the very first yeah, time. Awesome. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, the park is celebrating its 27th birthday in April. So Aww. might be a good uh, occasion to reopen the railroads. Most definitely. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Birthday railroad. It's time. Here it comes. <laughs> It's also been officially confirmed now that Buzz Lightyear Laser Blast will close for an extensive refurbishment from January 7th that will last all the way until the summer of 2020. Yeah, well-deserved R&R for Buzz Lightyear, so it's, it's all good. Yeah. And last but not least, over at the up-and-coming Hotel New York, The Art of Marvel, 
The main facade refurbishment is coming along really nicely and they've been testing some red LED lighting that runs vertically along the facade. So it's looking pretty fresh. I can't wait yeah. to see the finished result. No, me neither. Yeah, it must be a real upgrade to get some light effects as well. <laughs> yes, definitely. Now, Disney Plus debuted on November 12th in Canada, the United States, and the Netherlands. So, yes. Niels, <laughs> you've had a bit of time with Disney's new streaming service. What are your first impressions of it? Well, ahead of launching Disney Plus on November 12th, it was already launched in the Netherlands. Um, well, uh, I think it was September 12th. Two months ahead oh, wow. of the uh, official yeah, international launch as a trial. So the Netherlands is a small and diverse country with only 70 million people. So it's a compact but also very tech-savvy test audience with one of the better technical infrastructures. So Definitely. By the end of last year, Netflix reached around 3 million subscribers, I heard. Wow. Which is a huge percentage with just 7.5 million households here in the Netherlands. So... I can see why Disney was interested in testing here in the Netherlands. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. During the test, we had access to around 400 titles, I believe, which did not include any of the Disney Plus exclusive content uh, yet. But it was a diverse catalog with classic Hollywood movies, newer blockbusters, Disney Channel series, a lot of National Geographic documentaries, and of course, the classic Disney animation films. But also all Star Wars movies, including Rogue One and Solo, were available. Not even to mention the many animated Star Wars series and even a documentary on it. So nice. yeah, that felt really complete. And since we weren't locked up with local distribution and streaming rights for the Marvel Cinematic Universe... We got also most of the MCU titles from day one. Uh, and during the test, they added Captain Marvel. And after the official launch, also the latest Avengers film. So except for the Incredible Hulk uh, from Universal and Spider-Man Homecoming, I believe, from uh, Sony. We have the full MCU catalog available at this moment. So that's, yeah, that's really that's cool awesome. to see all those Marvel movies coming together in one streaming platform. It's almost like a super expensive very long per episode television series, right? Because they're all yeah. so well interconnected with one another, especially if exactly. you have access to all of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now you have them all together and you can decide in what order you want to watch them, like the chronological order or the story order. <laughs> so there are different possibilities. But uh, yeah, but personally, I didn't experience much issues during the test phase eh, from a technological uh, point of view. Mm -hmm. Although the watch further feature disappeared all of a sudden, <laughs> which is a bit inconvenient, uh, but it's back now. So uh, that's good. <laughs> I have to say that now it's launched also in the US and some other countries that the service seems a bit slower, okay. especially when skipping, well, within a movie or series. <laughs> it takes some time uh, to get there. Yeah, I guess Disney uh, must be working on uh, capacity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, the interface is pretty much like Netflix. So not exactly the same, of course, but it feels like a similar... Like a familiar environment. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's pretty intuitive, yeah, so yeah. that works really well. What I like is that the search screen uh, offers the possibility to search within originals, series and movies. So you can well filter already a bit. 
The search screen also offers access to so-called collections. So recently Disney added a collection for the holiday season with just Christmas related stuff. Oh, nice. Like Home Alone and uh, a lot of uh, Mickey Mouse shorts uh, <laughs> playing uh, in uh, Christmas time. But they also bundle Mickey shorts in the so-called Mickey Through the Years collection, for instance. So yeah, it's a nice way of, well, discovering content in, in a different way. During the trial, I mainly focused on content that I wasn't able to experience before. So that were not that much blockbusters, but more TV series like Disney Fairy Tale Weddings, where you can see how people get help from Disney mm-hmm. <laughs> to plan the perfect wedding at one of the Disney parks. I also watched the Decorating Disney special, which gave a great insight in how the U.S. Disney parks transform to Christmas fairy tales. So uh, cool. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm a big Disney parks fan, I chose this type of content to watch at first. But right now, now the well, the service officially launched. I'm mainly watching the original Disney Plus content. They really found a smart way to <laughs> keep uh, people subscribed <laughs> by releasing uh, just one episode a week. <laughs> Always on Friday, by the way. Yeah, it keeps you hooked because yeah, you want to know what happens next. So you're going to stay exactly. there another month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and I'm not a big Jeff Goldblum fan, but his The World According uh, to Jeff Goldblum documentary series is pretty good. Uh, the first episode was all about sneakers, while the second was about ice cream and later ones about, well, I think the two and barbecues <laughs> so it's a combination of some history and fun facts but it's pretty cool yeah i've been really wondering why disney chose jeff goldblum i mean he's super entertaining but isn't he more of like a universal studios jurassic park type yeah true personality yeah yeah that could be something to associate him to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but would you happen to know a reason why they chose him for the no, series the only thing oh. i can think about is that's Well, this is a documentary, I think, labeled underneath the National Geographic uh, section. So maybe Mm -hmm. this was already planned to create before Disney bought Fox Mm -hmm. and also acquired National Geographic. I just found it super interesting, but yeah. Yeah, but it's short, (laughs) little documentaries about a variety of subjects. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. The main highlights for me are The Mandalorian and the Imagineering story. Uh, Well, for a lot of people, I guess. (laughs) The Mandalorian is the first ever Star Wars live action series uh, where we follow a Mandalorian, a, a bounty hunter, on his quest through the beautiful Star Wars universe. So don't expect lots of recognizable characters from the movies, uh, as this is really a separate story. But there are definitely a lot of recognizable elements like uh, <laughs> strange species, <laughs> aliens, so cool, planets, and uh, well, uh, little droids, etc. So uh, yeah, the Mandalorian episodes are around 30 minutes each plus quite a long end credit <laughs> it's, it's like 34 or 35 minutes but it's, it's just five minutes 30, of credits yeah just 30 <laughs> minutes of real content but the quality is really good yeah it's a, an interesting different take on the uh, whole star wars universe i'm yeah. really really happy to hear that you're enjoying it because this is one of those things that i'm definitely most looking forward to also as kind of like an HD nerd myself, like picture quality is so important to me. And they're offering this in Dolby version, which at first glance, I was so excited about. But I recently stumbled across this YouTube video by Vincent Theo. Yeah, you shared it with me. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually kind of disappointed because apparently what Disney has been doing is taking, they've been producing the series, The Mandalorian, in SDR. So that's standard dynamic range as well in terms of the brightest whites and the darkest uh, shadows. 
and they've just been taking this standard SDR content, mm-hmm. it is 4K, but it is just standard range, and placing it in an HDR container. So mm-hmm. basically your television set thinks it's getting HDR yeah. content when in reality it's just simulating HDR basically. So mm-hmm. for LCD TVs, that means your power consumption is going way up because your backlights are turned all the way up, <laughs> but you're actually not getting any of the benefits of the dynamic range and wider color gamut. So it's really not a best practice example. I don't know if this is really a production issue or that something's gone wrong in the encoding of it (laughs) that they have have it in HDR but something went wrong along the way Yeah, because what Vincent Theo does is he took a special device to measure the light peaks and if it was truly HDR the lightest elements would have had to been a lot brighter so yeah it's interesting I'm not sure if this could be related to capacity of bandwidth or if they just reduced it for now and uh... definitely if you guys are interested in finding out more about this I definitely check out Vincent Theo's video I'll put a link down in the show notes for you if you're super nerdy like me watch it till the end it's like 13 minutes of just HDR speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a deep, and if a you deep dive. Care, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other, well, main series that I'm uh, watching on Disney Plus is the Imagineering Story, a beautiful documentary series about Disney theme parks, yes. which we love. So cool. <laughs> and well, this series is completely done in a chronological order. So they really start with Walt and then they build up uh, to, uh, well, where we are today. I've watched all five episodes released so far. They're all around one hour and covering, well, great stories. A lot of construction footage, some behind scenes and, uh, well, many interviews with uh, Imagineers like uh, Eddie Soto, Mark Davis, Tony Baxter, Bob Gar. So cool. (laughs) So a lot of, well, famous names, but also uh, some, uh, well, uh, less known Imagineers. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. But also Mm -hmm. Disney CEOs or former CEOs, Michael Eisner and Bob Iger play a role in this and they were interviewed and provide a lot of insights. So that it's pretty interesting and also nice to see Michael Eisner uh, back here. newly filmed Michael Eisner interviews or is it older things that they got from the archives? It's not that old, but I'm not sure as I know that they've been working on this uh, quite a long time, a couple of years so uh, some of the stuff was recorded uh, like four or five years ago but Ah, Michael Eisner is uh, (laughs) looking older so this is uh, uh, recent stuff and he's really looking back at his time as a CEO decisions made so uh, yeah That's really interesting. So this is new uh, stuff yeah, it's like a, f- a full Disney Parks history overview from Walt's ambition, creating more parks, going international to adding new rides. And well, next a- episodes should be about Galaxy's Edge and Pandora. Oh, so yeah, so cool. that's, uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so this is a must see for any Disney Park fan and uh, a pretty interesting for non-fans uh, too, I guess. It's very high quality and it also feels pretty honest. So for instance, they <laughs> openly admit that Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris was built without any budgets <laughs> and just because of agreements with the French government, uh. Uh, they didn't, didn't want to build it, but they had to. And there was even an Imagineer who visited the studios that time and asked after 10 minutes when they would go into the park <laughs> only to discover that he already was in the park <laughs> so it, feel, uh, it, it felt really backstage uh, to him instead of a quality Disney theme park and it was also too small so it's not just nice words about Disney parks it's also about the difficulties and the struggles that they had but we see more difficulties than just what happened in Paris also with the smaller parks that Disney built like DCA in Hong Kong Disneyland they're all small and had their own issues but yeah. uh, anyhow the 
Imagineering Touring really, well, it's a treat to watch, I would oh, say. That sounds amazing. I can't yeah. wait to check out. I really, really hope that when it launches in other European territories, that we'll get all the episodes that they won't artificially yeah, delay at, us. at once. So you, yeah. <laughs> I think everything will be there. I cannot imagine that they will have separate release windows then. Uh, but, well. Seriously, if not VPN, here I come because <laughs> I'm not waiting any longer. Oh, and maybe as a final note on, on Disney+, Plus, there's a lot of great movies, uh, animated series and documentaries. But there's not much live action series on Disney Plus yet, so uh, yeah, maybe that's something mm-hmm. uh, we'll have to wait for a bit. As I can imagine that especially from the Fox library and also the Disney ABC library, they, they, they have a lot of nice uh, TV series yes. as well. Yeah. Secrets of Disneyland Paris. You guys, the parks, like most Disney parks around the globe, have been designed with a level of love and detail that is truly extraordinary and Pretty much everything has a backstory or some kind of meaning behind it. No decision was made lightly, so we're going to cover some of our favorite Disney secrets. So, Niels, a Rivers of the Far West Disney duck told me that you have a Frontierland secret for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My first secret are the mismatched chairs of Cowboy Cookout Barbecue. So maybe you remember the story of the Wild West town called Thunder Mesa, also known as Frontierland in Disneyland Paris. Yes. I talked about it in the Disneyland Paris Details podcast episode that we did. So if you haven't listened to that episode, be sure to check it out. Definitely. In this town, you find a cowboy cookout barbecue where you're served up some big barbecue bites, but... Please bring your own chair. That's right. The backstory <laughs> is that the owner uh, couldn't afford to furnish this huge barn. When the people of Thunder Misa came together at the Cowboy Cookout Barbecue, they celebrate special occasions and they were encouraged to bring their own chair. So uh, as a result, this restaurant has very few matching pieces. <laughs> so it's... Uh, a really authentic looking place definitely it's so charming yeah it is and uh, especially since this is well one of the biggest restaurants in disneyland paris uh, it, it's good that it's not that <laughs> <laughs> standardized and looking too, too sterile so uh, it's a nice touch definitely this place is always giving me like Cracker Barrel vibe. So Cracker Barrel is like a chain that in a lot of southern United States, it's like a breakfast chain where you can get a really good breakfast Ah. and it's got the same look. Everything's a little bit crooked, a little bit mismatched and it's I love it. It's very homey to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's nice. So what's your uh, first secret, Eric? Yeah, I'm going to bring it over to Disney Village here for a second. So this is all about Planet Hollywood. Disney Village, first of all, is Disneyland Paris shopping and dining district. Again, Niels and I did a fantastic episode about every single Disney Village location you could possibly want to visit. So if you want to get a great overview of Disney Village, check out that episode. So it's impossible to miss the giant blue planet-shaped restaurant right next to Buffalo Bill's. (laughs) Really, it's a table service restaurant that's very similar to the Hard Rock Cafe in terms of design and concept. However, instead of being all about the music, Planet Hollywood is all about the movies. So you'll find really cool memorabilia up in there. But did you guys know the building itself pays homage to the Chinese theater in Los Angeles, which besides its iconic architecture is also famous for its handprint ceremonies. So they invite your favorite celebrities to immortalize themselves or at least their handprints in concrete. (laughs) So this is something that a lot of folks miss in Disney Village. Check out the large white wall to the left-hand side of the Planet Hollywood gift shop entrance, and you'll notice that the entire wall is covered in all of these handprints. So the wall features everything from Sylvester Stallone to Cher, so 
<laughs> you never know. You might spot your favorite celebrity's handprints yeah. there. You can compare them to your own and see. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> but most celebs here are... Well, just as vintage as the restaurant's interior. True. <laughs> True. So a bit outdated and maybe not known anymore by the younger generations. So yeah, that's true. An update. N- nostalgia or... again. Let's yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> but an update or even an expansion would be great. Uh, there's enough space to add more. So uh... <laughs> Seriously, yeah, they could add a bunch more. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, we've been mentioning that they've been thinking about upgrading Disney Village yeah. anyhow. So we'll see what happens to the future of those. Yeah, handprints. so I don't expect this to happen. Uh, as, uh, I guess this whole restaurant will get a huge makeover. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. even go away or maybe replaced by Hard Rock Cafe. Not not sure, but yeah. there are a lot Could of rumors. <laughs> yeah, it's very possible they've been testing the waters with that Hard Rock Cafe pop-up shop that was there a while back. So if that yeah. went well, which I hope it did, uh, I would love to see Hard Rock Cafe though as well. I mean, I love Planet Hollywood too, so. <laughs> yeah, well, it would be even better to have both. Yeah, it's totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, and, and see Disney Village grow but uh, yeah. yeah we'll see we'll, we'll see. see Niels what's next on your list yeah a hidden dinosaur in Disneyland Paris Ooh. taking it back over to Frontierland this is a nice one that can be best seen from uh, the Molly Brown riverboat while exploring the beautiful rivers of the far west behind Phantom Manor and Boot Hill are some salt pits with geysers at the end of the boat trip, you can spot it. The geysers shoot high into the sky, which is pretty cool it's in itself. Yeah, definitely. And I'm happy that they're working again uh, these days. Yes. However, uh, <laughs> have a closer look and um, yeah, you will be able to see a skeleton of a large creature. So this is the hidden dinosaur. And this might be some kind of homage to Disneyland California's Big Thunder Mountain, uh, which features a large uh, dino skeleton uh, on the attraction itself. True. Here in Paris, Big Thunder Mountain is situated in the middle of the river on the uh, the impressive rocky island uh, where the Molly Brown circles around. So yes. yeah, you might be able to spot it from <laughs> your wild mine train cart as well. But uh, yeah, that might be a reason that it's there. But both the Paris and California Big Thunder Mountains are designed by Tony Baxter, so very that true. Could also be uh, <laughs> be a reason. Yeah. Oh, no, I love that little geyser area. I think it's super cute. On our last trip, it was working as well, and every time we rode Big Thunder Mountain and we're about to go down the hill, you could just spot it shooting up off the yeah. ground, and it's so cool. And the skeleton is really tough to see from Big Thunder Mountain, but if you take a trip with the Molly Brown, you can definitely spot it. It's super cute. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing needs a little bit of r&r as well the geysers are working again so that's really great but it's all very mossy looking at the moment mm-hmm. which doesn't really fit with the kind of desert yeah they're going <laughs> for so no maybe true. if they just send the cleaning <laughs> yeah. crew through there sometime with a high pressure water yes, <laughs> yes, something that, uh, yeah but doesn't it's, harm. it's really cool free the dino yeah <laughs> Yeah. So in Hotel Secrets, this one pertains to Disney's Newport Bay Club, which is a nice hotel Disneyland Paris. Forced perspective is a technique that Disney is famous for using throughout its parks, though the technique is an optical illusion to make an object or structure appear further away, closer, larger, or smaller than it actually is. And at the Newport Bay Club, Imagineering implements forced perspective to extend the lawn. 
therefore extending the horizon of the hotel's parking lot slash uh, lawn area. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were to look out of a hotel window towards the lawn, you might notice that it appears to extend for miles and miles. Now, it's true that the lawn does extend for quite some distance, but not nearly as far as it appears. The grassed area tapers to a progressively thinner point the closer it gets to the end, so the far side of the hotel giving the illusion that the end of the lawn is much further away than it actually is. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I really love all the forest perspectives in Disneyland uh, Paris and well, Disney parks around the world, actually. So, uh, yeah, they really do a good job. Definitely. Many of them are super effective. Yeah. Some of them more, some of them yeah, less. Yeah, that's true. This one definitely yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, taking us back to Frontierland again, <laughs> to old Joe the Fisherman. So I just talked about the trip around the uh, rivers of the Far West on the Molly Brown and hopefully on the Mark Twain again soon. Yes. <laughs> the, 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 the second river boat uh, that gets fully restored and uh, should come back somewhere in uh, 2020. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be really cool to have both running again. The whole journey lasts about 15 minutes and goes along the Frontierland's residence. <laughs> Some nice nature. And uh, old Joe has been around since uh, the opening of the park. And Joe would sit in his rocking chair, eyes closed, uh, waiting for a fish to bite. And today we find him uh, taking a break from fishing. His uh, rod is punched up by the door. <laughs> but uh, what makes Joe really unique is that he was cast from the same mold as an uh, animatronic uh, from the original Pirates of the Caribbean in uh, Disneyland Resort Anaheim. Ooh, he's got an identical twin brother somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure if he knows that, but, <laughs> but uh, Imagineers made some uh, slight facial paint uh, adjustments so that Pirate and Old Joe do not uh, look like identical twins, but well, they sure do look related. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's uh, a pretty cool uh, fact. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting to note this kind of behind the scenes work and how how Disney tries to work efficiently, yeah. but in a way that it doesn't, uh, you don't notice yeah. it right away. So I, yeah, so this is definitely a really effective way of keeping the costs a bit down and maybe they can take that money that they saved there and implement it in a more creative way in an attraction mm -hmm. or just themed space like Frontierland. So yeah, it's definitely yeah. cool to note. And I believe in Disney World, there are a couple of examples as well of them reusing molds for multiple characters. I believe one is in... Uh, uh, what's the, uh, the big ball at Epcot the attraction called again? Uh, Spaceship Earth? <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> there, there, there is definitely an example of figure there. Yes, I'm going to take it back over to Main Street USA here for a second. So the Emporium's Secret Cash Railway. So this is a really neat one. So the Emporium on Main Street and Disneyland Paris is an homage to the department stores of the early 19th century. Really, this Disneyland Paris secret deserves an episode all to itself because I could go on here forever, but I'm going to keep it <laughs> short. So the Cliff Notes version is that if you're in the store, take a look at the ceiling above the Emporium's cashiers. Now, this is not at all the cashiers, but at the center cashier towards the center of the store. And you'll notice a complex metal looking structure above them and they connect the multiple cashier areas. So during the early retail boom, shop owners were plagued by robberies at sales counters and rampant employee pilfering. As an average customer buying food or fabric did not want to wait several minutes to pay or to receive change, the shop owners needed to find a secure but convenient way of moving money within their establishments and at the same time ensuring that the correct change is issued. So early attempts to solve this issue would see cash runners, so the clerks would ring bells or call out 
cash runner to summon the cash boys and cash girls who would race over to the counter, retrieve the customer's money, and then run to the cashier station in the back and back again. So, <laughs> with the correct change. <laughs> now, William Stickney Lamson, a cloth retailer in Massachusetts, was among the first to attempt to streamline the process. Lamson contrived a system of securing cash inside hollow wooden balls, which could be rolled along sloping wooden rails affixed behind his store shelves. So these would later evolve to become metallic and mounted to the ceiling. His customers enjoyed the convenience and really the novelty of his invention, and today we can enjoy the prop located in the Emporium in Disneyland Park. Now, Disneyland Paris's cashiers are known to give correct change most of the time, <laughs> so they are no longer in use in Disneyland Paris, but they're a nice homage to the William Lanson's Fabulous invention. <laughs> yeah, and that cash railway is yeah, really beautiful. It uh, is. I, I'll always have a look at it, uh, but I'm sure that a lot of people don't look up and miss this very, well, detailed piece of retail history. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I for one have noticed it before, but I didn't really understand what it was paying homage mm. to. And also there's a, still a moving part of it. So there's a wheel that just spins really slowly. Yeah. So it's got a little bit of motion going on there. But I was super, super happy to learn about this very, really detailed and deep history that the story behind this really gorgeous yeah. object. So. Yeah, I'm wondering <laughs> if, a lot of fun. Well, if it's well, good work <laughs> as an actual uh, system or that it's just, uh, just a prop. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure either. I also don't know if this is a real original antique that they purchased somewhere from a yeah, department store that closed or if this is a complete original construction. If we find out, we'll let you guys know. So, <laughs> yeah. so I keep us in Main Street USA for the yes. building's numbers. Uh, as numbers usually are not just numbers at Disneyland Paris. Most of the building's numbers on Main Street USA, but also in Studio One over at uh, Walt Disney Studios Park, do have a special meaning. So I've collected some examples, although I'm not completely sure if all are official as they're not really documented. But I did some research myself in uh, Disney history as a lot of numbers refer to dates of birthdays, movie releases, oh. etc. The first one is the Market House Deli on Main Street, uh, which has number 302. When researching, I found out that Walt Disney faced 302 rejections before getting uh, financing for the original Disneyland in Anaheim. <laughs> so this could be a coincidence or just a fun imagineering reference. <laughs> Another example, above the entrance of Walt's, an American restaurant in Main Street, you can read 1401 Flower Street, a direct reference to the Walt Disney Imagineering office at 1401 Flower Street in uh, Glendale, uh, California. But did you also notice that cast members at Star Tours welcome you inside the Starspeeder to Flight 1401? Oh, I never noticed that so before. I didn't uh, <laughs> notice that before, but now I was researching this. Uh, I thought, well, <laughs> 1401, that's, uh, <laughs> that's familiar. Uh, so there's also a reference to Imagineering. So cool. The Robinson Bosch hat shop in Main Street USA is uh, number 62, which could be a reference to the 6th of the second month, February, the birthday of Walt's father. Yes! So that can't be uh, a coincidence. 
And over at Studio One, I found one more at uh, Walt Disney Studios Park. Uh, we have the Hollywood Jewel Box, which is the uh, Pandora uh, shop uh, these days. Yes. And the building has number 1205, referring to Walt Disney's birthday, December 5th. That's really awesome. So pretty cool. A lot of interconnected numbers with a lot yeah. of meaning. What a clever way. And they even hide them in such subtle ways that if you're not specifically looking for it, that you might not even notice. It's uh, that's no. really awesome. <laughs> no, you really need to do so some research or have someone pointing it out uh, to you yeah yeah i'm gonna keep it numerical as well here for a second because over at disney village there's annette's which is serving up some great burgers as well as some really really fun diner theming and disney didn't skip on the secrets and backstory here either so Parked right by the entrance to Nets is this really flashy pink Cadillac. It's a gorgeous car. And the number on the license plate is in itself an interesting secret. <laughs> <laughs> so the numbers show 120492, which translates to April 12th, 1992, the date that Euro Disneyland, now Disneyland Paris, opened up. So one more number. <laughs> yeah, another number. That's not just a number. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, speaking about license plates, in the destroyed London scene of the Studio Tram Tour, uh, there's a red double-decker bus, and that plate reads WLT960, but uh, I'm not sure where the 960 uh, came from, but uh, WLT is, of course, Walt. So. <sighs> Uh, also look for the license plates everywhere as uh, they might have a special that's meaning. That's so cool. Indeed. That's really awesome. Yeah. Ah, that scene. <laughs> and I even remember... Yeah, yeah, that scene. But in that same scene... You guys won't have a long time to look at it anymore because it'll soon no, be gone it will forever. Be destroyed. So, last chance. <laughs> yeah. No, but in that same London scene in the Studio Tram Tour, there are more cars with special license plates uh, I remember. True. And the car of Cruella <laughs> from the live action uh, 101 Dalmatians uh, film at the yes! entrance of the tram tour. Also has a special uh, license plate as it reads Death Space Ill. <laughs> 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 so uh, Devil or her last name uh, Deville. <laughs> so uh, yeah. That's really There's enough funny. to explore. It, it's all in the details. Yeah, it truly is. It truly is. Yeah. I love that car. That car is gorgeous at the beginning of the entrance. I hope they're gonna save the props somehow. I mean, they'll probably put into the archive when the, the Studio Tram mm -hmm. Tour gets changed over to Cars Route 66, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's be really... great to see those uh, well coming back somewhere. <laughs> yeah, perhaps they could implement it in the studio theming somehow in the beginning of the park in a, a nice yeah. tasteful way. I'm not sure exactly yeah, how. Yeah, and I'm but... wondering what they will do with that whole Dinotopia set, which looks gorgeous, but it's yes. so so huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe uh, they can build a new planet Hollywood with it, <laughs> with all those props. <laughs> Enter through the Dinotopia gates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the then you have all the all, all the nice cars and yeah, uh, true. maybe a part of the London scene. <laughs> well, and you know, some of the Hard Rock cafes around the world, some of the larger ones like the one at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, feature yeah. a car that spins atop of the bar, which is really gorgeous. So maybe oh. they could have Cruella's car somehow implemented yeah. in the restaurant in a cool way as well so that'd be nice yeah and the pearl harbor uh, plane on the ceiling and yes! <laughs> yeah give it yeah, to us all <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so 
Next secret I have is the chewing gum uh, dispenser machine over at Studio One. Yes, that's Ooh. right. Uh, I want to talk about chewing gum. Walt Disney was very keen on keeping his theme park clean. He hated chewing gum on the ground as it sticks to the floors, people step in it, and well, it doesn't look magical at all. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so that's why Disney parks don't sell chewing gum, um, even though it's a typical American thing. But uh, the fun fact here is that there is a gum dispenser machine over at Studio One. It's not working and it's a really classic uh, model fitting the set with the car and the gas station uh, near the studio exit uh, to the park. But the cast member once pointed it out uh, to me during a, a guided tour. Uh, they uh, thought that it was a nice way to include a reference to the chewing gum story of Walt. And as this machine doesn't work, it's fully in line with Walt's vision. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> And it never will. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I think it's a, it's a nice fact. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's a really cool secret. And it's a gorgeous machine too. I mean, that whole area and those old machines that all over the parks are so beautiful and so charming and yeah i'm also really happy they don't sell gum at disney parks honestly i like gum just as much as the next guy consuming it but there's Mm -hmm. some folks that just don't know what a trash can is and then it ends up under the table or on the ground and it's so frustrating if you step in it and you're walking around all day with that swish 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 (laughs) under your shoe yeah yeah. and imagine main street with all those white (laughs) 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 white stuff on the ground no that's that's not magical at all no, so uh, very yeah. true yeah better keep it away <laughs> yeah let's do one like singapore does and just not have it at all yeah so over at disneyland park well by the entrance to disneyland park really you'll find a pair of vip elevators and they're really subtle by the entrance and I just wanted to draw attention to it again because it's a really cool exclusive feature if you're staying on the Castle Club. These elevators only take you directly to the third floor of the Disneyland Hotel and you have to use your key card to get in. (laughs) And by the way, you guys, we stayed at the Castle Club the last time and um, the key cards getting that thing to work it's it's a little bit older now and they're gonna refurbish the hotel next year but <laughs> right now we had to try a couple <laughs> of times to get the elevators to come it was a bit <laughs> difficult and then once the elevator was there one of them was actually missing um so there are two panels on each side one on the left and one on the right and the one on mm-hmm. the left hand side didn't have a key card reader in it at all it was just an empty space but you could still stick your card in there if you really tried but just nothing would happen so it took us like at least 10 minutes on our last trip to figure out like why isn't that elevator working <laughs> so until we realized oh there isn't even a reader in that slot so we had to switch over to the other side of the elevator and there then then it worked fine so but it's really cool it takes you directly right. up to the third floor where the lounge is and a lot of the castle club rooms are and you can enjoy tea time there and just enjoy the castle and you can get your free drinks and snacks there all day long, which is really nice service benefit of the Castle Club Lounge. Yeah, sounds really convenient and truly VIP. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. It totally is. Now, um, if you have the budget for it, I definitely recommend trying it out because it is something very special and very exclusive. Niels, did you have one more bonus one for us? Yes. Yeah, yeah, tell us. Yes. <laughs> I have one bonus uh, <laughs> secret. So, well, it's maybe not a specific Disneyland Paris secret, but more like a historical fun fact uh, that I would love to mention (laughs) as well. I just love it. Actually, I love the fact that Walt Disney was extremely obsessed with keeping his park, uh, Disneyland in Anaheim, really clean. So no chewing gum. (laughs) But uh, as mentioned earlier, there's more. As He also made signs of the optimal distance between trash cans, Mm. which turned out to be 30 feet before people (laughs) dropped their trash on the ground. (laughs) 
He really studied people uh, carefully and uh, came up with, uh, with these numbers. And uh, that's why there's always a trash can close to you at the Disney park. Isn't that just such an interesting, fascinating, and at the same time kind of sad yeah, true. <laughs> fact yeah. that people are willing to walk more than 30 paces yeah. until they just throw it? It is sad uh, indeed. Like, but, that's yeah. something that needs to be considered in city planning as well, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> at least in the very crowded yeah. areas. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. but did you also know that Walt actually invented the trash can with a lid and flaps. Really? Well, it wasn't there when uh, Disneyland Anaheim uh, opened, Uh uh, but no one seemed to be really interested in this concept uh, while that time, and Walt didn't patent uh, it, but uh, yeah, still it's very valuable uh, and, well, we still profit from it uh, today, not only at Disney Park, so... uh, Definitely! I mean, what an ingenious and simple solution to like keeping the yeah, odor keeping and the insects. Nice. And just, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's too bad he didn't patent it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we were all uh, buying Disney, uh, Disney trash cans. <laughs> <trash cans. laughs> yeah. No, but uh, oh my yeah. gosh. It's, a, it's a pretty interesting no, one. Those are really good. Yeah. So you have also one more bonus feature uh, yeah. for us. <laughs> totally. So, yeah. Niels and I both prepared a good amount for you guys, a good amount of Disney secrets. <laughs> we were thinking about keeping it a 10 but then we ended up going with 11 so yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry uh, 12, 12. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we've talked about the hidden mickeys on the last episode we recorded together but did you know there's actually a hidden Walt Disney at the Hotel Santa Fe. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't either but until I, I researched it. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> now, the, the Santa Fe might not be the most luxurious hotel on Disney property. However, the Imagineers hid a bunch of great Easter eggs in the Santa Fe's lot. One thing you might notice as you roll up to the entrance is a wall with a mural of the nostalgic Route 66 in the form of a mosaic. Now, the mural ends in Los Angeles, which is not only famous for Hollywood, but of course, the original Disneyland in Anaheim. Both Disneyland and Hollywood are honored by an illustration depicting Sleeping Beauty's castle and the Hollywood Hills. Taking a close look at the castle, you'll spot a young Walt Disney strolling through the gate. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. I love the fact that they keep the spirit of Walt alive with these kind of little elements through the parks. Most definitely. And it's so subtle as such an elegant way to uh, Mm. pay homage to him. So it's really really nice. nice Niels, thank you so, so much for coming back on the show and sharing (laughs) your amazing secrets and insights with us. It was a lot of fun (laughs) recording this uh, with you, Eric. Uh, It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Niels. You guys, be sure to follow Niels on Instagram under @CapturingDisneyParks, where he posts the best Disney Park pictures on Twitter under @CapDisneyParks, and check out his amazing website, CapturingDisneyParks.com, where he's got some really fun Disney influencer interviews and is also now rocking a a logo I designed for. A really nice logo, (laughs) I'm really happy with it, uh, Eric. (laughs) Thank you so much, Niels. Thank you to at DLP Report on Twitter, atlasobscura.com, and hiddendlrp.com, all of which are the excellent sources for the information compiled in this episode of the podcast. If you have any questions regarding Disneyland Paris or you'd just like to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under at Aramagique. We've recently also started up the Aramagique YouTube channel. We'll be going back into our episode catalog to release visual podcasts so you can not only hear us but see what we chat about the first episode about hidden mickeys is already out now niels and i talk about a bunch of really cool hidden mickeys to look out for while you're at the parks 
please make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever the platform of your choice is. And we would so very much appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. It really does help out a lot. So thank you so much, you guys. Now, since this is our last episode of 2019, Niels and I would like to wish you all Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, Happy Holidays, holidays and, and have a magical, magical New Year. New Year. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode is not sponsored. Any promotional or advertised content will be clearly identified. Air Magic is an unofficial podcast made with love and is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. <laughs>